Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast, presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Maddie Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. The music world moves fast. Want to stay up to date on the latest albums and get in-depth examinations with the artists? Check out Consequence of Sound, the podcast. Bite-sized album reviews for the music fan on the go who wants to stay in the know and much more. Subscribe to the series on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider and let the writers of Consequence of Sound steer you right. Check it out at consequenceofsound.net slash podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. everybody hello to my eerie creepy halloweeny pod people out there it's halloween <laughs> <laughs> what was that the ghost this is your spooktacular host leo phillips and this is a very special edition of this must be the gig it's your little backstage pass to the world of live music every single week I bring you a fascinating conversation from the beating heart of live music and performance. And of course, that could mean a musician, a festival founder, a choreographer, a comedian, an actor. We basically focus on first concerts, best shows, worst shows, and everything and anything in between. Really anyone obsessed with live music the way we are. But before we get into this week's guests... Let's check in with our haunted companion here at TMBTG Studios, Engineer Adam. Hello, Adam. Hey, I'm a ghost. <laughs> oh, God. How'd you pick more as a Frankenstein's monster? I actually do get that a lot, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. I know, I know. Uh, but do I ever have a spooky tale for you this Halloween? Ooh. Oh, no. Ooh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> Have you ever heard of the demon of Drange? Drange? I can't say that I have. Tell me more. Well, legend has it, there's a demon haunting the small volcanic island of Drange. I hope I'm saying that right, but I know I'm not. How do you spell it? D-R-A-N-G-E-Y. Drange? Could be. <laughs> it's in northern Iceland, if that gives you a hint. Drange. <laughs> the volcanic island had been the home of the outlaw viking Grettir the Strong. But in the generations after that, anyone who visited the island in hopes of hunting were sent plummeting to their death oh God. off the cliffs of the beach by a <gasps> demonic presence. To this day, that part of the island, off limits. You can't go there. Oh no my hunting. Gosh. Why? Why you might fall worried. to your death too. Oh, okay. Because of a demon. <laughs> I'm like, why? Why? Are you going to challenge a demon? Yes. I'm going to go straight to his face. You know how spooky? We're in a mid-spooky week because we've just watched the full, not nearly, nearly watched the full season of Sabrina. Anyway, this is totally on topic, but off topic. We're we're on On, topic. We're still on topic, but we're off topic. There's music in that. There's music in Sabrina. Also, Halloween. Hello. On topic. As I say, Halloween. Hello, why? Why not? <laughs> Hello, Hello, why, why not? not? I've got another spooky story. You ready? Wait, that one was really spooky and I'm not feeling cool because we're sitting here alone in the studio and I'm not having fun. Well, this one's even spookier. Well, great. Let's just do it. You know that you're only essentially telling me this now because people are listening, <laughs> but only I am getting the brunt of the main force. That's true. Wait, hold on. Let me turn off the lights and shine a flashlight under my face not before I cool. tell you this one. Okay. Not cool. All right, this one's a little gruesome. Are you ready? Okay. It was told to us by one of our guests this week. I won't get ahead of us and tell you who that is, but... Spooky. It's very spooky. So this is a story... About all of our... You wish it were that kind of spooky. It's a different kind of spooky. I'm trying to... I'm giggling because I'm so excruciatingly nervous. Okay, this is a story of a poor milkmaid in the Icelandic countryside. She fell pregnant and gave birth to a baby. But she was a poor milkmaid, so she could not keep that poor baby. So she left it out on an icy stone wall. Hold on, pause! Can we just say also that anyone who tells stories about babies, haunted baby ghost babies, it's... that. Why does that always get me? It's because they're supposed to be innocent and pure. Hereditary. So they be cre- well, yeah, Children was- of the corn. What Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's, which is one of your favorite movies. So I'm, not, I'm in the wrong room. <laughs> Anybody want to take my place? Okay. Anyway. And resume. She left the poor baby out on an icy stone wall to die. Because she couldn't take care of that baby. She was a poor milkmaid. She had no way to take care okay, of it. Okay, okay. I'm not justifying baby death. No, no. I'm just saying this is what the Icelandic folktale is. Okay. Years later, the milkmaid's out milking cows with one of her friends, another milkmaid. They're talking about a country dance that they really wish they could go to. The milkmaid's like, you know, I just wish I had a lovely dress that I could wear to go to go to this dance. And all of a sudden, she heard a small, faint voice saying, My mother, do not worry yourself. Let me lend you my cloth to go dancing in. She sounds like a really loving, loving engineer. 
from Chicago. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Hold on. My mother, do not worry. Let me lend you my cloth to go dancing in. That's terribly scary. And you know what that voice was? It was the voice of her child she left to die not far from that very spot. Apparently, she lost her mind and was never the same again. That is so scary. But honestly, I also have to ask, you've now just told two stories from Iceland. Dandik. From Icelandic history. Why are we talking about Icelandic ghosts and demons? Well, that's because you spent this week interviewing wonderful guests in preparation of Iceland Airwaves, which oh, is coming up. Oh, yes, I did. I, knew, I asked you the question and knew the answer. You knew the answer. But thank you for uh, getting some spooky tales for us. Absolutely. Uh, because this week we are going to prep you for one of my favorite festivals of the year, a little wonderful week of music centered in Reykjavik called Iceland Airwaves. I have actually been going to this festival every year for a while now. And let me just tell you that the Icelandic music scene is so much more than what you think. Just dig into the lineup of this festival. Go to icelandairwaves.is and you'll have a look, see of who is playing and find the most fascinating artists in everything from indie rock to dream pop to jazz and loads of rap. Hip-hop is huge there and, and was a massive uh, part and element of last year's festival. And to get our heads wrapped around Iceland Airwaves and the country's music scene at large, I have the most amazing extra special interviews this week. The first is with Siggy, who is the founding member of the Sugar Cubes. Whoa, that's awesome. He's an absolute fixture of the Icelandic punk and alternative music scene. He's written music and worked on TV programs and theatre productions alike always pushing the boundaries of Icelandic music. And these days, Siggy is also on multiple boards on behalf of the organization Iceland Music, where he serves as managing director. I got to chat with Siggy about his essential place in history in Icelandic music, the depth of the scene, and his first experiences with live music. That's incredible. That's that's just one of the interviews, though. You've got another one. That's right. And we also have an interview with DJ Kevin Cole, who's just a lovely, lovely person and interviewee. One of the absolute coolest DJs in American radio. He's the host of The Afternoon Show, a staple on Seattle-based KEXP, which I love. Kevin's show covers every genre under the sun and blends must-listen new releases and undiscovered jams. We're coming up on the 20th anniversary of Iceland Airwaves, but it's also the 10th anniversary that KXP has been stitched into the very fiber of this amazing festival. And every year, I know that the KXP shows at the Kex Hostel in Reykjavik are going to be some of the best of Iceland Airwaves. And I got to chat with Kevin about his experiences in Icelandic music, the partnership between the radio station and the festival, and so much more. This is a jam-packed episode, to be sure. Oh, I know. So let's get right into it. This is me, Siggy, and Kevin. Enjoy! I usually do say that I'm a musician. Yes. Who's actually doing a uh, working the export office right now. 
I basically, I am the managing director of the Icelandic Music Export Office. Okay. And that's sort of what I do today. But I also play a bit, but I not as much as I used to. Yeah, so you were, obviously, I know you from being obviously the founding member of, of Sugar Cubes, of the Sugar uh-huh. Cubes. So let's talk a little bit about then your performance side of things first. Do you, do you, well, firstly, actually, I wanted to ask you, how do you pronounce your full name? Because I've just always called you Siggy. Yeah, people usually call me Siggy because saying Sig Trigger can be a little confusing for some people. But my name is Sig Trigger, actually. Okay, great. And do you know what that means? It's so interesting. Yes, it actually means uh, a lot of Icelandic names are put together of, of two separate meanings. So the the, the prenum, S-I-G, mm-hmm. is a very popular prenum in, in many Icelandic names, both female and male, and it means victory. Basically, it's a short. It's short. S I G is short for Sigur, S I G U R, which means victory. So it's basically uh, used in a name. It it conveys victory, but the second name of second part of my name is Trigger, T R Y G G U R, which means insurance. Oh, okay. Victory insurance. <laughs> Victory insurance. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Your parents were really had a creative had a creative heart and mind. <laughs> yes, actually that was my grand it's also a very common thing yes. here that family lines have have names running in them. Mm-mm. And and I love how it's got two parts of it as well. So if you didn't like the one meaning, you have another backup. You know, you've got two. You've got two meanings. It's great. Yeah, yeah, you could see it like that. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, so then, have you passed along your name to your kids? No, I only have I only have daughters. Okay. So, okay. So I have two daughters, and this would not suit them. Yes. But if I had a son, he might be might be named Sig Trigger, or maybe if I have grand in the future, my grandchildren might get this name i don't know mm. we'll see it's a great name and i love uh, obviously the affect you know i love how affectionate siggy is as well so i just wanted yeah. to that that's interesting um okay so let's go quickly right back to the start do you remember the first show that you ever played with your band back in the day or do do you remember where it was and any of those memories come to you now uh, yeah, I, I was in a, a band here with some friends in my hometown of Kobold. And we were maybe 14, yes, probably 14 years old when we played. A, it was just a school gig. We played at our school, played a few rock and roll tunes at our school. That was my first gig. But the first gig that I saw and want, made me want to be a drummer was when I went with my went with my soccer team to play a uh, a competition in the Faroe Islands, which is actually a, a, a little, a little uh, a cluster of islands between Iceland and Norway. This is way up in the North Atlantic, and and uh, we we stopped by in the, uh, the the Faroe Islands. My me and my football team when I was twelve years old, and we played a few a few uh, played a few games there, and and I saw. I saw a, an outdoor gig with a crazy drummer playing drums, and I, I looked at him and I, I realized that that was something that I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, 
I remember that very vividly. Yeah. So did were, were you playing? So from that, did you go home and say, I really want lessons? Or did you just pick it up on your own? How did you get I, into it from there? Yeah. And I actually, I ended up having to sort of, uh, having to make good on a promise because I was with, in my soccer team, there was a guy who wanted to form a band and he said, does anyone know how to play drums? And I, I raised my hand and said, yeah, I can play drums. And I, because I did actually have a snare drum that my father had given to me because he wanted, knew that I wanted to play drums. Mm-hmm. But I, I never really practiced, properly practiced because it, it sort of lacked the, the, the sexiness of having a real drum kit and having yeah. long hair. So, <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to have long hair and have a, have a drum kit and play rock and roll. <laughs> so, I, so when I when we came back to Iceland, I had to borrow quickly a drum set that I knew that one of my uncles had, or a nephew, nephew or an uncle of mine had an old unused drum set that I I knew of. So I, I called him and asked him if I could borrow it a little bit. So I borrowed his drum set, and I picked up a few beats before my friends came to visit the week after. By that time, I, I yeah, I knew how to play drums. But it was something that I just picked up on my own. And, and I, I used to love to sort of go and watch bands play and would pick up on the, what the drummers were doing. But I never got any proper drum lessons. No, I did not. I love that that was your experience as well, because there's so many people who speak so fondly of finding an instrument on their own. And yeah. how, you know, transformative that is in their lives to be able to teach themselves something and then learn, continue learning as you go. Because a lot of us aren't really academic, you know, it's difficult no. to, to, to keep our focus. So I, I totally understand that need to just want to start it on your own instead of actually going for lessons. Yeah. Yes, there's a special love that happens. It's mm. almost like finding, finding a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> I like that analogy. You're right. Absolutely. So then uh, who was your first, what was the first show then that you ever saw? What, what was it an international artist or was it an Icelandic? Cause I know that you obviously were born in, in Norway, but then when did you move back to Iceland? I'm, I, I was moving around all the time when I was a kid. I, I was born in Norway and then I lived a few years in Iceland and then I moved to New York and lived there for a few years and then I moved back, and I moved back when I was about ten. I started living in Iceland sort of more continually, and uh, and that's when I started. After that, I started picking up the drums when I was about twelve. Um, and at the same time, when I was about twelve, I saw this crazy gig in the Faroe Islands. But I also started going to see shows here. And there was a band called Pelican mm-hmm. in Iceland that had a fantastic drummer who still plays in Iceland. One of my favorite drummers, a guy called Asgir. I used to love to go see him play. He had a huge drum set, two bass drums and oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. lots of cymbals and all sorts of shit. Yeah. And it was, it was really fun to go and see him play. And um, so, yeah, that was one of my first memories of going to a gig on my own when I was about 12 years old mm. to go see. And, yeah, me and another uh, and a friend of mine who we used to sort of hang out hang out outside of venues because we couldn't get in we were like 13 years old <laughs> yeah and so we would hang out hang out outside the venues and listen to the music through the windows 
Oh, wow. Were there, talk, talk to me a little bit about, obviously, so where in Iceland did you actually grow up then if you were moving around and then when you finally moved back when you were 10, where whereabouts yes. were you living? I, I was living in Kovavod, which is a, okay. a suburb, ta- suburb town of Reykjavik. Yes. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that's where I live now, actually, funny enough. But, oh, wow. um, okay. <laughs> Have you moved sort of, back there after yeah, a while? I, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I did live abroad also from like 93 till 2003 mm. for 10 years in the States and yes. also in the Netherlands. Um, and then I ended up moving back to Iceland and ended up in the same, my, my original town that I grew up in, mm. which which is next to Reykjavik. It's a, a lovely place. And um, yeah, so I, I grew up there basically. And there was a lot of music there. There was lots of bands sort of practicing in 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 garages and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of garage rock happening yeah <laughs> i think that the and and obviously looking at how reykjavik has changed so much of course as any city would um and how obviously the influx of so many tourists coming how do you feel the the scene is different to i mean of course this is you know, quite a difficult question, but how has this scene really changed from then until now? Is it more saturated? Like, are there just more bands or is it just completely different? It's completely different. I mean, there's much more bands now than back in the days when I was starting to play. And now we have like an international music scene in Iceland. Uh, That didn't happen until Iceland Airwaves took off. Yes. Uh, around the beginning of this century, I would say. Even though the Sugar Cubes had made a name for themselves internationally, and even Mezzo Forte, which was like a jazz funk band before us, actually, uh, we were the first band to work in the States and sort of go really internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, we we sort of put Iceland on the map as a as a uh, music musical country that actually had international music coming out of here and we formed a small collective called bad taste which is actually a small record label today and still exists it's sort of been an incubator for a lot of interesting icelandic music through the years okay i mean Sigur, we put out Sigur rose's first record and some other bands and uh, but it's never really been a popular a big label because it's just you know never had the international clout to do anything like that but it isn't until really as i said the early part of this century that uh, a festival like iceland iceland airwaves starts putting iceland more on the map as an international venue for music as well people start coming here and and, and watch seeing icelandic music in in its natural setting Absolutely. And it's extraordinary. I've been for the last few years, I've covered it and every single year it's totally different. It's one of those experiences that although some shows may be in the same bars or in the same, you know, window of shops, you know, <laughs> I love that when that happens, um, yeah. it still feels totally different. So yeah. so what, tell me a little bit about what you do with Iceland Music Exchange and what, what you obviously plan to do and how that ties in with Iceland Airwaves. Yeah, well, actually, I run what we call Iceland Music Export, mm-hmm. which is a government and uh, music-funded operation. 
it's a small office that sort of uh, works all sorts of programs and, and exporting music. We run also two websites, which is one is in Icelandic, which is an information agency for Icelandic musicians wanting to export their music. And the other one is in English, and it's more like a portal into the Icelandic music scene. Okay. Where you, you see a, a list of Icelandic bands and artists. You can see a list of Icelandic music festivals. You can see a list of gigs with Icelandic artists abroad. You can click on it and find what people, what Icelandic gigs are close to you, wherever you live. Um, it's, it's a, we're an information agency, basically. All things Icelandic music, back and forth, both out of the country and for people looking in. And all, all sorts of stuff like that. So we and and strategies, funding, um, and we're sort of helping to sort of build the infrastructure for for the music scene in Iceland because there is a very healthy music community here. It's a very it's a very creative atmosphere here, but there isn't very much uh, music business in Iceland. We seek most of the business outside of Iceland. How come there isn't uh, much of the business sense there? It's a very small community. Mm. We're a nation of 350,000 people. So we really never had the market. The internal market is so small that we've never had the chance to build up a music industry here, really. But we have a very creative community that has become very good at exporting itself. So we seek our business outside of the country, both sort of labels and uh, publishing and, and uh, booking agencies and such, but but in the in the recent years we have been building strong management here and some small music companies and labels that are starting to do more export from here, which is an interesting development. Absolutely, and I think also because I coming from a very small uh, industry as well in South Africa as well. It's 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 crazy to see because I think the best takeaway from Ice, Iceland Airwaves is always that you see one guy drumming in this one band and then you go to the next location and he's suddenly playing guitar in another band and then you're at another one later in the evening and he's playing a saxophone and <laughs> it's yes. everybody is in uh, so many different projects together like mm. a little family and it's something that I don't think any other in any other scene does as well because they're all yeah. so different it's different genres and different people and different audiences and yet they mm. can have such an eclectic talent to be so diverse and and offer such a diverse uh musicality i think that that's really special yeah well in small communities uh, people grow up having to sort of have diverse skills I think it's it's got something to do with the smallness of the community as well. Absolutely. So t tell me a little bit about then the upcoming Iceland Airwaves and how you feel this will be a little bit different to last year's, which obviously there, there were loads of shows, you know, at completely different places. There was the other location, not just in Reykjavik. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there was a lot of different things going on. So how do you feel this year would be more uh, expanding and and stretch the stretch the idea of of the Icelandic music scene a little bit more well what has happened in the last year is that uh, the running of Iceland Airwaves has gone over to Senna Live which is a big promoter here in Iceland and they have decided to take the festival 
in its 20th anniversary year, pretty much uh, what we call back to the roots. So they're making it, they decided to make it a little smaller, not quite as many bands playing, not quite as big a program. They've made a four-day program instead of a five-day program. And it's a little bit more sort of tight than tightly run, which is has its benefits as well. Um, we are doing a small conference part like we've done for the last three years, uh, which brings together people from the international music scene and Icelandic music scene to sort of discuss all sorts of things, uh, music related. Some of these issues are, are more sort of local topics, but mostly they're sort of international topics relating to the uh, the international music scene and certain trends that are happening right now. Um, but the festival itself is actually very tightly, tightly booked, and uh, the bookings are interesting. It's got a real focus on up-and-coming acts, mm -hmm. which is something that I certainly support and enjoy a lot. And it also... That's one of the things we call sort of back to the roots because that's how it, Iceland Airways actually made its name. Be, by by book being sort of a, a, having its finger on the pulse of, of the up and coming scene in and around, especially in the indie, indie scene. Um, and it's really sort of go, harking back to that strength right now. Um, it used to be so that you could basically uh, pretty much see at Iceland Airwaves bands that you knew would be breaking bigger in the year, year in the next year because it's in the autumn just before Christmas, well in November, before the end of the year, and you could usually it was a fair bet that the the bigger acts at Iceland Airwaves would be breaking out next year, and and I hope we'll we'll, we'll be seeing that quite a lot again. There aren't that many sort of bigger headliners this year, like we've seen in the last few years. But uh, to my tastes, that is actually a, a plus. Yeah, and especially because for some for foreign foreigners coming into this into Iceland, and and having this preconceived ideal of how the landscape and the nature is just so magical, and then being able to actually not listen to a band that they may be able to find somewhere else in the world, and you know listen to a fresh new new voice. I think that that's really important. It really shows what you are, you know. Yeah, I think the key word here is discovery. Absolutely. So who uh, then who then can we discover? Can you give me, I know that it's probably difficult for you to choose um, <laughs> who you're excited to see, but tell, also from my perspective, I'm coming into it, I need to do my research of who the upcoming bands are. So maybe list, uh, list a few or one or two that you are really excited to, to for me to discover. <laughs> right, right. That's a very good question. Um <laughs> We do have, as I say, I mean, for me, it's like choosing between having to pick favorites from your children. Yeah, which of all, course. All have their, all have their good parts and bad parts. But um, some of the things that I think are going to be, might be peaking out after this, after this festival from from Iceland into the bigger bigger world would be acts like Vök and uh, even Briet. Mm -hmm. for instance, 
we could be seeing acts like um, uh, who could I mention? I, I should have looked this up before. Oh no, that's fine. <laughs> I I shouldn't have just sprung it on you. It's just uh, I've, we've got a few weeks to go, and uh, there's just so many to choose from, really. Yes, yeah, there is. Uh, let me just rummage around here. And sure, go for it. Toy box. Um, <laughs> no, but there are there are some acts that have already. I mean, some of our bigger acts you're going to see here, like Ausgate and and uh, yeah, Arsti, the Mammut, and, and sort of more more established acts, even Oliver Arnolds. And um, but I mean, f for people to experience, there are some new acts that I'd love you to check out. Uh, I mean, some things that I could mention now would be like Aya, A-Y-I-A, mm -hmm. and even a band called Ilya, which is more sort of folky, mm -hmm. but they're just signing a, a signing a deal now in the States. Uh, we have bands like uh, I mentioned earlier, Verk, who mm -hmm. recently signed to Network in the States. There's a band called Hugar, H-U-J-A-R, mm -hmm. which are getting a lot of attention now. Um but they're most in the sort of post-classical division, yes. a little bit like Oliver Arnold's. Mm. Uh, you have bands like Between Mountains that are uh, a duet of mm. girls that are maybe 18 right now. Wow. Very interesting. They uh, Their video won a, a European award mm. a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we have bands like uh, I mentioned earlier, Briet, who's like a, a young pop writer who's very interesting, he's getting a lot of attention along the lines of Sigrid or, or Aurora, mm. these mm. Norwegian pop acts that are quite hip now. I mean, Reykjavikurtaitur, if you've heard of not heard, heard of them, you've, yes. you will after this. Yeah. After they're amazing. I've written about them so much. It's ridiculous. I like don't stop. They are so much fun to to watch. It's one of the best performances I think right. I've seen in a while. But I love that uh, there's so many to discover. I, I, I walked into a venue that I do not remember its name, but it was kind of a mix between a library and a museum. And it was yeah. by the by the water. And yes. Hormonar, I don't know if I'm I'm pronouncing it right, Hormonar. Yeah, Hormonar. Hormonar. Yeah. They were playing and it just, the rest of my night was gone. I didn't, anything I had on my list to cover, it was, it was gone. I stayed there for the full show. And so I'm, I'm, I actually think what's, what happens is that everyone is so good that you, you lack out, you walk into a place and. It's very rare to, to not actually enjoy something, which is, yeah. again, so unique. People often have this sort of preconceived idea about sort of what Icelandic music sounds like or should be like. And mm -hmm. that, of course, is based on some of the bigger ambassadors, so to speak, of mm -hmm. the music scene from here, like Sigurós or Björk. Mm -hmm. and, and people often have an idea of Icelandic music scene being quite sort of atmospheric atmospheric mm. um but there's the band you mentioned hormonar is basically they it's a, a girl a bunch of girls that rock out pretty hard yeah they're it's amazing it's like hard um, punk yeah 
and uh, there's there's a lot of interesting diversity happening right now in the Icelandic music scene. I mean, with bands like Of Monsters and Men and Kaleo mm-hmm. uh, have gaining a huge audience in the states. They're, they're, they sound quite they, their sound is quite different to uh, any of their predecessors, mm-hmm. and. Um, for me, it's basically a lot about the diversity right now, mm. the diversity that we're experiencing and seeing sort of blossom out of here, which I, I've, I'm quite excited about myself. And Absolutely. we're sort of trying to catch our catch up with our tail and trying to sort of <laughs> uh, <laughs> and trying to promote this this diverse music all over the place. But it, but it, it's a luxury problem because it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. And the only way to really experience it is to come to Iceland and see it. And of not, course. you know, really, uh, that's the best uh, possible way to see somebody in their natural habitat. If somebody was coming to Iceland Airwaves for the first time, what do you think their uh, number one thing would be to bring? Or at least to remember? Because in the last few years, I would have maybe suggested like, bring an umbrella or or bring, you know, because it was always rainy or, you know, but you don't care because you just run from place to place or, but what is the one thing, you know, that you feel people should uh, bring with them to, to experience Iceland airwaves in the proper way? Uh, They need to bring a a big raincoat. Yes. You can't, you bring a big raincoat and a thick sweater. Yeah. That's the best advice I can give you because... (laughs) Uh, the weather here is unpredictable, mm. and uh, an umbrella is not really, never going to help. <laughs> no, it's it's, it's going to blow out of your hands very very likely. Absolutely. Uh, um, and is there like a saying that you love in Icelandic that relates to the music industry? Maybe something in Icelandic that you can share with the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like making you I'm making you dance but it's so interesting for people who've never been I love to say uh, which means when you hear a wonderful uh, unusual mixture and this relates in my mind very well to sort of a lot of the stuff that happens in the Icelandic music scene naturally when you have as you yes. said earlier different uh, st- types and genres sort of mm. mixing up and creating something quite interesting and new mm. and means actually literally that's that's where the devil met his grandmother uh, <laughs> like staring it down okay yeah i get yeah. it that's great <laughs> <laughs> thank you you are so lovely and i can't wait to experience it again this year and hopefully we can meet up and meet in person that yes, would be you're, great I, you're invited to the office for a coffee oh thank you, you. yeah This is the 10th anniversary of KEXP being involved with Iceland Airwaves. And you'll be going back again this year. How excited are you about the whole festival? Oh, I'm incredibly excited. It's just been an honor and a privilege for KEXP to be uh, partnering with Iceland Airwaves and 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 really the Icelandic music community. I, through our work, we we've we've done over like 250 sessions. With Icelandic bands, I know over uh, we're over two thousand videos of sessions with Icelandic bands 
that have gotten viewed over 85 million times. Which is insane, right? That's insane. That's a huge number of times. Wow. Okay. It's a a huge number when you think of a country that's 330,000 people. So I feel pretty confident saying that over the course of our partnership, we've built the largest archive of contemporary Icelandic music, this radio station in Seattle. And I'm, I'm extremely excited to go back. We keep going back year after year, this is a 10th year, because the music scene there is so remarkable and it continues mm. to evolve. And if, if, if it didn't, we, we wouldn't keep going back, right? Like uh, being a nonprofit arts organization like we are, we have to uh, think about our public service impact and how we're spending our time and resources. And every year we look at the lineup and we kind of ask ourselves like, hey, is how much opportunity is there here to partner and to bring great music to uh, KXP music lovers? And we think of our, you know, the people we serve as music lovers all over the world. So how can we, like, what's the lineup and what's the opportunity? And and are there great bands playing? And, And Iceland Airwaves does such a great job of showcasing new and emerging Icelandic and Nordic talent uh, but mm. also new and emerging artists from all over the world. And they, they strike this really great balance of discovery, I think, and, and beautifully curated, like thinking about uh, the international artists they bring in aren't necessarily your main headliners that you would see at any other festival. Yeah, uh, I love that. I love that part of it, how they always bring in actually the most current international artists that maybe would actually not be as big but would are, are right at the cusp of breaking. Yeah, somebody which like I Super think Organism. Is, I know, I know. And and Soccer Mommy, there's so, so many different types of international artists that, but especially this year, I think I'm not sure how you feel about the lineup, but I think this year, especially your, I loved your word discovery. I think that's the operative word here in that, a lot of people are going to get the chance to really focus on Icelandic bands this year, as opposed to the years in the past where there were these bigger acts. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of it, right? Like, not that seeing a big act like maybe Flaming Lips or uh, War on Drugs is is bad. That's awesome, right? No. But, but, but uh, if you're going to travel <laughs> yes. uh, in November halfway around the world or wherever you happen to be living to Iceland, um you know, you want something really special and unique that you can't get anywhere else. And, you know, discovery, I think, is sort of the key word because you've been going for a number of years. You you mm-hmm. run into bands that you've never heard of before that blow your mind. That happens every single year. Absolutely. And in the most inconspicuous places. So like in a in a window shop or in a library or in, in completely different venues that you wouldn't normally put a band as well, which I think is also really unique to Iceland Airwaves that I just walked up a street, you know, two years ago and there was a band playing in the in the window of a shop. I think it was a camping store or something. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's this is interesting. I like this band. And it's, how do I pronounce crazy. their name? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but I just go for it. I don't know how you feel, how your confidence level, you know, the rating of that goes. I don't know if you go for it or not. Yeah, I pretty much go for it or I don't at all, right? So, um, <laughs> But, you know, yeah. I'm on the air, so I have to say something. 
Absolutely, but you, absolutely. You, you 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 nailed it with the key word. It's confidence because uh, mm. <laughs> I hate saying this, but if uh, if you just say it confidently and can say it the same way twice. You're, you're, you're good. pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and I also think Icelandic people are such that if you say it wrong, they will correct you, but not like somebody from Israel where I've lived before or, you know, Europe where they'll like slap you over the top of the head and, you know, drag you out if you have if you've made a mistake. I feel like Icelandic people will be quite generous yeah, they're and, so, and they're forgiving. <laughs> so understanding. Um, yeah. it, you know, I sense that there's a lot of uh, pride in their heritage, right, that maybe stems back to the sagas and and, uh, you know, but they understand that Icelandic is a very, very difficult language uh, to learn. And pretty much everybody I run into speaks English. Uh, so it's never been an, a challenge for us. Uh, and and I try to learn as much Icelandic as possible uh, and you know, working with artists and being on the radio back announcing the name of an album, you know, like for me, part of the reason we ended up going, you know, the reason I went to Iceland in the first place before we started broadcasting was the second Sigur Rós album. Oh, Oga, gosh. Oga yeah. you know, and, and, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, you know, so when I'm on the air and I need to back announce, I need to be able to, you know, try and say it as best Absolutely. as I can. Absolutely. And again, as you, you're a DJ, this is, you're so well known, this is what you do. And your whole life is revolved around discovery and being able to give a accurate narrative of a band and somebody's story. And I think it's, especially with Iceland, there's always, even just their names are two parts. You know, it's usually not just one meaning it's usually two meanings conjoined and i just think that it's so fascinating not only the names of the bands not only the pronunciation but how many different types of people are at iceland airwaves and different genres so when was the first time that you actually attended was it 10 years ago have you been every single year so um, I went in 2005 just for fun for the summer solstice uh, as, okay. and just on a vacation. And I was always interested in Icelandic music. And again, that Sigur Rós album, after I heard that album, I felt compelled to go visit the country to see where that music was made because I thought it was so beautiful and unlike anything I'd ever heard of before. Mm -hmm. And uh, just had a remarkable experience. And when I came back to Seattle, I started playing a lot of Icelandic music a lot more. I bought a ton of records from 12 Tonar and Bad Taste Records and at that time. And uh, there's another great record store there now called Lucky Records. So I just started playing a bunch, and that led to... Um, meeting with the general counsel and trade commissioner for Iceland in North America, uh, a gentleman named Lienar Gudjonsson. And KEXP has had a history of going to music-centric events and broadcasting live where we'll go to a place where there's a lot of great bands and especially a lot of new and emerging bands that may not make it to Seattle at any point in time. So we, we go to try and work with the bands and establish relationships. So we were going to South by Southwest. We were going to CMJ. And it was maybe 2007 or so that I was, we were in New York for CMJ. And I invited Leaner down. And we were broadcasting live. And he, he was hanging out with us. And he saw what we were doing, and he just said, we must do this in Iceland. So it was Leaner that really facilitated us going. But the first year we went, 
we we didn't send a full crew. We only sent two people, and I did not go. So uh, we sent two of our videographers to go capture content, um, and we set up at Roof Radio, their national uh, broadcast uh, headquarters mm-hmm. for Icelandic National Radio, and we used one of the one of the studios, and I think we had about twelve bands, and. Um, in our orn from the sugar cubes mm. w- was kind of our host. So he was there and uh, we did sessions kind of like we do at KXP, a couple songs, short little interview, a couple songs. And given the time difference they, that it's, uh, you know, seven hours ahead, you know, they were recording these sessions and then sending them back to me and I aired them on the afternoon show. So we broadcast uh. them that same day and then we videotaped everything. So the first year, the first two years, we just sent a small crew, two or three people, and that just sort of build up, built to the point that we were working toward to begin with, this vision of doing the international broadcast. But it took a couple of years to actually get everything in place. So that first year before the broadcast, I went out to scout locations, and uh, we, you know, I decided on Keck's Hostel. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, because we wanted a public space that was very accessible, that we felt like people would be hanging out um, all the time, not just when the bands were playing. And uh, just a really inviting environment. And then it just weirdly happened to be Kex, K-E-X. I know. I thought that was all (laughs) planned. I think, you know, quickly, just to to ask you as well, I think for people listening who have never been to Ice and Airwaves, just can you explain a little bit about the Kex Hostel and how, so what you actually do with KEXP at, at the festival? Sure. So Kex Hostel is uh, is a hostel, and Kex in Icelandic means biscuit, and it's an old <laughs> biscuit factory that uh, a bunch of entrepreneurs, uh, you know, built into this hostel that they wanted to be a real community space. So it's kind of a multi. I think it's like four stories, and it's kind of right near the edge of the harbor as well. So when you're in the main kind of community area, you can see the bay. It's really beautiful and striking. Um, So it's an old biscuit factory. And um, like hostels, they have a a gathering space, I guess. Um, And, man, it's just super creative. First of all, the design is exceptional. The the folks that did it really traveled around the world and found all these uh, found objects that they worked into the design of the building. So in this in, in this communal area, you can get coffee, you can get beer, uh, you can get food there. So there's kind of a open area restaurant where you can get beverages. There's great seating, and it's sort of communal seating uh, where there's these longer tables that probably, you know, 12, 14 people can sit around. And then there's smaller tables, you know, beautifully placed around uh, the room. And in one corner of the room, it's kind of the library. Uh, and, and that is where we take over for the broadcast. So no, normally they have, uh, you know, uh, couches and lounge chairs set up in there and, and folks would be hanging out reading or online and, and just doing their work. So we clear that area out and it's, it's a cool looking space and we set up a stage and broadcast live. So that's where the bands play. And then we set up the broadcast booth just on a table, like kind of right in the middle of the room, which is pretty interesting for a DJ because you're literally right there. And as you know, that room can get really packed out and some of the performances are insane. 
Oh um, my gosh, I think I once probably like sat, like maybe might have sat on that table to like get a good shot. <laughs> because for anyone listening that hasn't been, thank you so much, Kevin, for explaining it and describing it in such a detailed way, because that is exactly how it feels. The DJ is literally right next to or almost in front of the band that are playing. Yeah, we're about 15 feet in front of the band on a table. There's people packed That's around. Amazing. There's people standing up. Literally, <laughs> maybe it was you. Uh, Probably me. Thank and, you. Uh, <laughs> and as, Sorry. The, as the day progresses, uh, many it of them gets, yeah. are holding pints of bitter or beer. <laughs> and, uh, and we've got a lot of equipment oh, there. No. But it's, oh but it, no! I, I, and that, yeah, so it's always like, okay, uh, just hope, uh, you know, hope <laughs> everything stays intact, and uh, you know, we've got an, a, an amazing crew, and that's part of the fun too. Is is just doing it live and being out there in that element, and and I, and that comes through, I think, in the broadcast and the live performances as well, because there's this sort of creative tension and energy, um, and because you never know what's going to happen. I think that the one I was thinking about, I was just trying to think which show it was where I was shooting something else and I had to run. And I love how you described how it's right on the water. So it's quite dramatic when you're even walking toward, if you're in Reykjavik Center and you're walking toward Keck's Hostel. And I was trying to get there for Boningen, who at the time I remember, I think it was 2015 maybe, I must get by. I, I must check that. No, it was. But it was I, 2015. 2015, and I remember I couldn't even get close to the door. So already the doorway was so crammed full of people, and you anybody who's been to a Boningen concert can just they just know. Did you how work crazy your way in? Of course. I Sweet. feel like I went on the floor. I feel like <laughs> I went I went the low route. So I was like crawling, a little soldier crawl. And I just remember that was one of the best showcases that uh, KEXP was involved in. Um, other than that, and then my other favorite was Operators, yes. which was fantastic. Do you have a favorite over all the years that you've been a part of that project? Do you have a favorite or something that maybe was so challenging and you pulled it off? Sure. I mean, I, I, have, uh, I have favorites from each and every year. But uh, since you mentioned uh, challenging and able yes. to pull it off, let's go to the very first one that we ever did. So the first year we went there to broadcast live, you, you know, we bring the full crew and the very first band we have is Goose Goose. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we travel, everybody's got jet lag. Uh, we hadn't really met all of the people we'd be working with at Kex Hostel yet. Uh, this was 2011. And um, so we were doing sound check, and we had about uh, three hours before we were going live. So we had never done this yet. We mm -hmm. didn't really know everybody yet. And Goose Goose in particular are, are really, well, they're really particular about their sound. They're uh, perfectionists. They have a vision of how they want their sound to be, which is massive. And they bring in, they brought in additional PA, including these subs. And, um, and for us to be able to start with Goose Goose was, was a thrill because, you know, mm -hmm. they're a legendary long running Icelandic band. And, um, so they blew out the electrical grid <gasps> for the, oh my gosh. for four blocks of the city. <gasps> During sound check, like three or four times, oh. so, so so the whole grid went down, 
and um, and you know we're we're like we got to go live at noon like we cannot not go live Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. we got to fix this we got to make it work and um literally like five minutes before we were flipping over to seattle and going live it, it still wasn't up and uh and then we got it like a minute to go and again it, part of it was part of what made it so special was it was just an incredible bonding experience with the team at kex the folks that we work with with us I'm on their sure. ways and then uh, that sort of uh tension and we all had to dig deep to make it work and then Boom, it went noon, we went live. They were amazing. Uh, there was a line around the block, so we had no idea, you know, how many people would show up, what it would be mm. like. Uh, it was packed. Goose Goose uh, just had an exceptional performance that's gotten over, you know, that's gotten millions of views. So, one, it's just really rewarding when uh, when a band just performs exceptionally well and we're able to kind of be that platform or conduit to expose them to a, a new audience. Uh, so the Goose Goose performance was just so beautiful, and it was captured really well by our video crew. Uh, listeners have loved it. And and it was like noon. Oh, my Flipped God. the switch. Everything worked. <laughs> the performance wow. was great. And we were off and running. So that was, that was like a bit of a... One, it was a great performance, incredibly uh, memorable, and also... Uh, an interesting, challenging one. But each and every year, Bo Ningen, you mentioned, um, you know, how would you even describe them? (laughs) It's, it's, I I feel, I feel that again, as you were saying, it's it's impossible, which is why I'm so thankful that you're chatting to me about it because every year I go back and I write a written review and it is impossible to put into words how it is not only the feeling of watching bands play in Iceland, which has always has this magical aura around it, but it's also within a a place and a venue like Kex Hostel, you can feel you aren't moving. Everyone else is moving. So your body is involuntary moving. Yes, (laughs) That's how I felt. It's an intense experience. That one was really amazing Um, because they just bring an incredible wall of sound noise and Mm. um, kind of a Japanese psych rock noise rock band that mm-hmm. has ebbs and flows and they're so visually striking and the room was so crowded um i was standing on my chair to see but actually sometimes i just watch the monitor because uh, yes. I, I can see the video feed um <laughs> where i'm at and yeah. i also like watching the comments either on youtube or that i get via email uh that's from listeners all over the world that are like what what you know, the hell? What the hell <laughs> totally. is this? Um, you know, I love and- that. And you capture it. <laughs> and you totally capture it. And I, I also love your choice of, of who you, you have at the showcase and who you choose to to video and do productions of. And, and I like that it's always a really healthy mix of genres and bands. So it may be bands that have a cult following that haven't really cracked into a mainstream arena mm-hmm. and or local bands that no one's ever heard of. So, so let's, um, oh, it's, it's such a pleasure. It's so hard to do. And I feel like a lot of publications who go out to Iceland to cover the festival really do look at KXP's lineup and their offering as something, you know, it's really inspiring to see. It's kind of, it's a great, every year it's, it's, it's a familiarity, especially for me, things change with that festival so often 
um, because that's just the nature of 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 the festival. Um, but Kex Hostel and KXP are always there, and it's quite nice to know that I'll I know if I if I just have an hour free and I stumble over there, I'll find something that I love. That that's awesome to hear. I mean, we the way we approach it is we. Uh, I've got a team here. We we listen to every single band playing, uh, and we put together kind of a little spreadsheet. You know, each of us have a column, and we pick uh, you know the ones that we think we'd we'd love to see. And obviously, there's way more than we have space for. And then we think about okay, so um, we want to feature some new and upcoming artists that we uh, that we think listeners will love. You know, that we want to take a chance on. Um, then we look at the international artists that are playing and, and kind of think through the same thing. And then we also, uh, part of what's been a real joy for us with uh, this project is to be able to work with artists and, and kind of watch them evolve and, and to some extent, you know, help them or play a part in that. So I think through, like, for example, Yo Frieder, she, uh, her... Her project with her twin sister, Pascal Pignon, was we worked with them the very first year we went, 2009. And she was like, she had to be just a, a teenager, maybe 16, 17, you know. Samaras, we uh, worked with them in 2010. And mm-hmm. So we've worked with Yo Frieder in some form as she's evolved as an artist with JFDR, uh, Samaras, uh, Gangly. Um, so there's been some artists that we, we have a history with. Oliver Arnold's is going to be kicking off our broadcast this year. Yes, I was going to ask you about this year's lineup and, and Oliver as well. So, so was that a conscious decision to do or was that just something that you've always wanted to do to start, start off this year with, with Oliver? It was both. So, okay. um, so when we knew he was playing and had a new album out, and he's one of those artists that we've worked with multiple times and have just had this joy of being able to watch his, his art, artistry has evolved, uh, either as, you know, a solo artist or as Chiasmos. Um, so, you know, we, we saw his playing, and w- right away we're like, okay, if we can get Olafur, that would be great, and if he could mm-hmm. kick off the broadcast, that would be the greatest way to start. Uh, and that in Seattle time is 6 a.m., Right? Oh so, gosh! <laughs> you, you know, oh so, no! <laughs> yeah, so so thinking through, like, okay, what time is it in Seattle? And and an artist like Olafur is just the most beautiful way to to and magical, as you mentioned, to really set the tone. I think for the broadcast. So that's the so that's Absolutely. what we wanted. But then you don't know if it's going to work out with the artist schedule. Uh, and what their availability is. So in this case, it all worked out beautifully. So so some of the bigger Icelandic artists that we've worked with, uh, Oliver, of course, and then Unius Mavant. Mm. Uh, and the second album is coming out, uh, I think, on Friday, November 9th, during Airwaves. And during it's be- Airwaves, yeah. And it's That's going to be wonderful. I know. I remember watching him a few years ago, and everybody was like, who is this guy? And he was just so magnetic on stage, and now I'm I'm so excited to see he's getting so much buzz, and especially because of the album coming out during the festival as well. I think that there's something quite quite wonderful about that too. Yeah, it's good timing. Yeah. 
Yeah. So who else are you excited for then? Is there any, I know that it's hard to highlight uh, one, but is there, is there one band that you yourself are really excited to watch? So, yeah, it's hard to just pick one. Uh, of course. You know, I'm into Olafur, Unius, and I know they're going to be great. Team Dreams is a project that features Sindri Maher from Sinfang and uh, mm-hmm. Sole, Sole, who's incredible. Mm-hmm. So really excited about that. Then there's the unknowns, right? So Hugar mm-hmm. is, is kind of, uh, Hugar is going to be playing after Olafur that same day. And I think musically the connection totally works. It's kind of ambient neoclassical. Um, and the music that I've heard is just uh, incredibly transcendent and beautiful. So psyched about that. We have a band from the UK playing, Black Midi. They're mm-hmm. going to be the last band we play, and they're kind of mysterious. Uh, they, they're super young, and there's not a lot of content available online, but the stuff that we've seen is exceptional, and uh, our uh, video producer, uh, Jim Beckman was in Ireland uh, about a month ago and happened to see him. And and he was like, and and we hadn't, they weren't on our list at that Mm. time. And he he was like, Black Midi, (laughs) I just saw him there, unreal, we got to get him in. Got to do it. Uh, Oh, wow. And and they're kind of in that sort of new kind of punk vein, not exactly like Idols or Shame. They're a little more angular and indie rock, but, uh, but there was a, the the songs I heard were exceptional. So there's always these sort of bands that we'll be seeing for the first time. Uh, you know, Black Midi, uh, uh, Baghdad Brothers is a new kind of indie rock project out of uh, and Young, and they're sort of a collective too. So mm. they're playing the first day, and then um, Teeter Magnuson, another new artist who has a beautiful album, is playing the broadcast, and then some of the international artists I'm really psyched about, Nadine Shaw. Her, love, her al- yeah, I love her. Yeah, you know, her last album was nominated for a Mercury Prize for, you know, best album in the UK 2018. And it's mm-hmm. a really beautiful, um, you know, dark rock record. Mm. Uh, very emotional. Um, Fontaine's DC, we've had, they, they've played at KXP earlier this year and they were so good. When we saw that they were playing, we were like, okay, we want this to be part of the broadcast so uh, people see it. Kind of like we would have done that with Super Organism, but we've had them on twice this year already. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're but, amazing, uh, right? Yeah, so, they're amazing. I think so, it's it's twice with the charm, you know? You got you to gotta do it. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. So w- when you have to travel to other countries for festivals, and especially traveling to Iceland for, for this festival, what kind of things do you look forward to other than the showcases and the music? Do you have any time in between to, you know nip out and, and go and experience other things and try new foods or go sightseeing and do that sort of thing? Is there any time that you can allocate to that? That is a great question. So there's not a ton of time. Um, and what we do is we do the broadcast. And we also, when we're not broadcasting, we set up sessions at people's homes or art studios or field recordings. So um, some years we have recorded 35 bands in like five days. Oh my gosh. Five or six days. So the broadcast, so we're broadcasting Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, we're going to be capturing content uh, out in the field. So we've got uh, this band ADHD 
who have been one of the highlights for me. And I would highly recommend you check out the video. I'm going uh, to. I watch it probably once a week, every, <laughs> every week. Um, if, if, I'm, if I'm working late night at home, mm. you know, and it's one in the morning, I'll put that on as background. And it just is so transporting. But it was remarkable. They, they're like an improv jazz band. We recorded them the first night we were we flew in. Um, it was 2014, and we recorded it in a church. And it was midnight when we actually did the session. And there was a full moon, and we all had jet lag. And uh, they just set up, and we started rolling tape. And they just played, and they didn't stop. They played for like 24 minutes, and then they knew when it was done, and they stopped. And I remember there were only like eight of us there. That there was mm. the crew. It wasn't open to the public, and we were just like. Oh, my God. What is this I, life? <laughs> I, I can't believe we're the only ones that got to see this. Um, yeah. But, you know, the video has been out there. But to answer your question, a couple things. We, we try and carve out a little time. Like if we get in on the first day, we might go around the Golden Circle. And everybody on the cruise gone back to Iceland or taken more time or stayed late. Like this year, I'm going to stay an extra week and just hang out. And as you probably know, like the swimming there is amazing. There's just incredible pools in every neighborhood of Reykjavik. So, you know, we might try and um, fit in a, a swim or two just to kind of relax a little bit. The food is great, you know, so there's always new restaurants to try as Reykjavik's grown. And uh, there's a lot of new businesses all the time. So it's always fun to see what's new. I would recommend anybody going to try and carve out a little extra time to do some things and try and get out of Reykjavik. Uh, Thingvellir yeah. is this national park that's only like a hour drive, and it's it's magical. And you you, t you mentioned the word magical, describing kind of heading to Kex to go see Bo Ningen. And you, you know, to be honest, the first time I went to Iceland, I didn't want to go back. Oh, really? I had. Oh. It was such a remarkable experience, and it was so magical <laughs> that I thought there's no way you can recreate magic. No way it magic. can happen again. <laughs> Seriously. I was like, there's no way. No, I hear you. I hear you. I feel like I was the same. I was I nervous about it. I was nervous yeah. about going back. I was like, it'll never be as good. And every year has been magical. Every year there's something different. Every mm. year there's exceptional music experiences of, that you didn't expect because as as you you mentioned earlier, there's all these bands playing all over the place, many of whom we who have dedicated our lives to music have never heard of before. So the, it's just an incredibly rich experience and just mm. walking around. And really unpretentious as well. There's something about discovering, I think, walking around South By or all of those places, festivals all over the world that I've covered. They're incredible for what they are, but there's something of course, about finding new bands in Iceland and tracking their evolution as well. I think that that's so important because if you are engrossed into a scene like you are and your colleagues have been, you get to see these people growing up. And it's quite an honor, right, to see how they are their musicality is transforming and shifting, how they are aging and the things that they are confident enough to to pursue i think it's quite it's quite special to see that as well liar you just named it or nailed it there because we totally feel honored we we mm. feel like 
we're honored that we've been welcomed into the lives of so many of these Icelandic musicians and bands. They've invited us mm. into their homes, their rehearsal spaces, their studios and venues, but even more so they've trusted us to capture and document their music. And in many cases in very intimate and revealing or mm. vulnerable spaces, you know, where like back to that ADHD performance, mm. I mean, it was remarkable. It was in a church and they just started playing and they were feeling the music, you know, and they, they did that in front of us, in front of the cameras. Um, and I, I, if you look at some of the comments from listeners on, on YouTube, I've got a couple mm-hmm. of them here. Like uh, one comment is just, how the fuck? This is so amazing. <laughs> I, I can't even, how is this even possible? Another person Is it comment, all in caps letters? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another one is, these men are vessels of truth. Like that's, yeah. that's, they're channeling this incredible, uh, uh, energy. Yeah, people get poetic. They get poetic about Icelandic music because it is, it, it, it is art. It's such an art form and you yeah. get to experience that. But so what do you think then for people who, the, who are listening, thinking they haven't planned yet, they want to go, what is the, what is the thing that they need to bring with them to have the best type of experience. I'm not talking about a survival kit as such, (laughs) just more like from your perspective, somebody who's been a number of times and you obviously aren't allowed to move around as much, but you're inside the Kex hostel. So that's the, usually the hub of a lot of things. So what is the thing that somebody needs to bring and, or maybe prepare for? So, since we're not talking about a survival kit and bringing uh, layers <laughs> of clothing uh, and uh, a range coat, I, I would say mm. an open mind and uh, mm. just an adventurous, uh, bring your cur- curiosity and your open mind uh, and uh, just a flexibility to just experience new things and, and just take it all in and go with the flow. Uh, of of this whole event and in terms of prep sure like go to the uh, airwaves website and you know if you look at the artist lineup there's links to uh, experience a little bit of music from each of the artists so that can help uh, frame things what was your first concert back in the day when you were young like you started listening to music maybe you hadn't even gotten into music yet but your first ever concert that you that you went to see what was it well the first ever one that i think was really me going out on my own was uh i actually got to see the who oh my gosh um, what and wow i was like okay. a, a young te- you know maybe i was 12 or 13 mm. and that was mind-blowing uh and I was I was a hardcore music fan already, uh, but like I hadn't had experience really going to shows. Um, my parents had taken me to a show earlier, but I'm not counting that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Don't you are cheating, <laughs> DJ Kevin Cole. You are cheating. You have to tell me your first one. No, which one was the what was the first one that your parents took you to? <laughs> it was uh, like blood, sweat, and tears. And I remember sitting in this like uncomfortable chair, kind of going, "I'm not quite into this." 
<laughs> I mean, look, I don't blame you. The Who is a pretty great start. Let, let's just say that it's a, it's that's a great first concert. So I, I applaud you for cheating, but I caught thank you. you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How about you? What was yours? My first ever was actually it was like a combined back to back with Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson because I grew up in Cape Town in South Africa. And we only ever got ginormous artists once a year. So it wasn't it wasn't as accessible for us. Obviously, local music was very accessible. But big international stars, my first was Michael. And I remember walking past his gigantic statue that they had erected next to the stadium, the Cape Town Stadium back in the day, and thinking, this is a concert. I'm 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 at a performance. It's it wow. set the tone. That's a pretty amazing one. That would be Yeah, and I but I can't remember any other than that maybe my dad singing Roy Orbison in the car could potentially be a great first concert because he was obsessed with well, was obsessed with Roy Orbison. So maybe that could be my first. Thanks for asking. No, actually in all the episodes, no one's actually asked what mine is. So and, and, <laughs> thank and you. Th- that, by the way, is a great answer, hearing your dad singing Roy Orbison in the car, because that counts. That's Yeah, that totally counts, that, especially because it was probably a bootleg that he got from his friend in London because they wouldn't sell it, you know, in South Africa with all their rules and the government. They probably, <laughs> he probably got that very illegally, so and he wouldn't mind w- me saying that. Was there a little bit an element of danger to discovering music then? <laughs> If you weren't I feel, supposed to have it. Oh, absolutely. And I feel embarrassed to say that there was danger attached to somebody like Roy Orbison and his sweet, sweet <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> but I think my dad probably felt very punk singing, yeah. singing those songs. <laughs> yeah, I think hearing uh, how they used Roy Orbison in the movie Blue Velvet mm, kind of absolutely. changed. Ch- changed, yeah, my perception of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like Roy's sweet tones are a little darker now. <laughs> I love Roy Orbison. I'm I all too. for I'm I actually think that he had one of the most incredible voices um not only of that time but of all time. So I, I, I could agree. listen to him anytime. And not only that, he's got like a, a an interesting personality and stage presence too so he didn't seem Mm. like your typical pop star when you watch footage of him from back in that day right Mm, absolutely a little bit of a trying to be a bad boy (laughs) and that's silky sweet silky sweet pop yeah well one i I appreciate the opportunity and thank you so much for your interest and uh, in icelandic music and the work that kexp is doing and i just uh i hope uh if anybody's thinking about it uh, this maybe convinces you to go and uh, have a great time in a in a really remarkable place. Uh, mm-hmm. Not only is the music good, but I think music is uh, a reflection of the culture and the landscape. And Icelandic music is so special and uh, unique. And uh, and it's because of some of those elements. You're going to see unbelievable landscape. Uh, and you're going to meet remarkable people. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing your story and taking the time to chat to me today. And I hope that I'll come and give you a big wave. Hopefully I won't be uh, standing <laughs> on your on your table this time. Well, if you are, just uh, just wave. <laughs> just wave. <laughs> Push me off. It's okay. Yeah. I'm good. I'll, I'll get a better shot because I'll be flying toward the stage. So we're good. Cool. <laughs> thank you so much, Kevin. Yeah, thank you. Take care. See you next time. You too.
This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble and we'd like to thank Billy Yost and the Kickback for our theme song, Rube, and buy their music at thekickbackband.com. Lexi Frame for the artwork, Daniel Brater and Dean Berger for the additional sound design, and the Consequence Podcast Network where you'll find a bunch of other amazing shows. listened this far why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too for information on new episodes be sure to follow us on facebook twitter or instagram at tmbtgpod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show thanks again and i miss you already Consequence Podcast Network.